when the doors were locked, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. What are we afraid of? What are we afraid of? What are some of the locked rooms of our life where we still are ruled by fear, by anxiety? As I look back at my life, especially growing up, I find it ironic some of the things that I was afraid of. I didn't like, I didn't, never wanted to sing as a soloist in front of people because of a bad experience at a musical in third grade. I never ever wanted to serve for mass. I never wanted to be really in front of people. I didn't really like getting to know new people. I didn't like being in a group setting where I didn't know a lot of people. I was always kind of afraid of making a mistake. And one of the worst things that I could imagine is just forgetting to do like a homework assignment or forgetting to study for a test because I didn't want to fail. I was afraid in high school to make a mistake because I had a coach that liked to yell a lot and I didn't want to disappoint him and I didn't want to, again, have this sense of failure and underneath that sense of failure, this belief that I wasn't loved, that I wasn't good enough, Thanks be to God, the Lord has liberated me from a lot of these fears, and He continues to liberate me from other fears because it's so easy for that fear to come in. Maybe some of the fears that we carry with us are related to our health. Maybe they're related to our finances. Maybe, and probably for a lot of us here, a lot of our fears are not so much with us, but the people that we care about. I'm afraid that this person is not going to turn it around. I'm afraid this person that I care about is not going to turn back to God, to the church. This fear. What does Jesus want to do about that? Exactly what He did for the apostles in the upper room. He wants to come into that locked room. He wants to come into the fears. And He just wants to breathe His Holy Spirit and He wants to say, peace be with you. Peace be with you. You're loved. Remember, this is a moment of shame for the disciples. They all abandoned Him and they didn't believe that He had risen from the dead even after they had heard about it. And Jesus comes to them and He doesn't say, why did you make such a terrible mistake? You're such failures. He says, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Jesus wants to bring peace into these areas of fear. I think a key, key thing for me in overcoming fears in general in my life were when I was finally able to have the courage, late teenage years, early college years, to finally confess my sins to confess the things that I knew I had failed in, in openness and honesty. It's so hard to do that. So hard to do that. But as long as fear was gripping my life, it was also gripping my life in the confessional. 
And when I started to name my sins, especially the ones I was more ashamed about, the more freedom I received because I recognized and I received God's love for me. His mercy for me broke through those barriers, broke through those locked doors. And I started to have more confidence and less fear in all the other areas of my life as well. Because if I can be loved in my weakness, in my sin, it doesn't matter if I fail in the eyes of other people as much. It doesn't matter if I make this mistake or that mistake because I know I'm loved even in my worst. Jesus' mercy is so, so abundant. If we have yet to come back to the confessional, maybe it's been a long time, or maybe it's just simply been more than a few months, maybe now's the time to come back, to receive that experience of Jesus' mercy for me, for us, that breaks through some of those walls of fear and anxiety. Maybe you haven't really had an honest confession, or maybe there's something from the past you have yet to confess out of that place of shame, out of that place of fear. I would so encourage you to bring that, to submit it to the Lord. Now, even as a priest, when I have things that I am not excited to confess, I actually, I don't really dread going to even a brother priest that I know. And because I know I'm going to experience the mercy of Jesus through this brother priest of mine. So powerful. One other thing I want to speak into, because it is Divine Mercy Sunday, is how we can help other people to experience Jesus' mercy. I would con- contend that the best way for other people to experience God's mercy is for us to experience His mercy first, which is why going to confession is so important. But number two is this prayer that Jesus gave to St. Faustina that a number of you prayed right before this Mass, the Divine Mercy Chaplet. You can use the rosary beads as a guide repeating that over and over again, for the sake of His sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world and on those Our Father beads. Eternal Father, I offer to You the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Your dear beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. We don't repeat Hail Marys and we don't repeat prayers like that just because we think we're going to be heard if we say it 50, 53 times. We repeat it so that it goes from our head, from our lips, down into our heart. That's why we repeat these things. But I just want to share one story that can help just reveal the power of Jesus' mercy. Well, two stories. The first, just very recently, I went and anointed a man who was on hospice, even though he was younger than the average hospice patient, late 60s, maybe early 70s. And I, I come to him, and he's kind of in and out. I'm sure he's on a lot of drugs. And I, I say to him, hey, is it okay if I pray with you? He's like, I'm okay. I'm like, well, shoot. I've never like, just straight up been like, rejected for praying for someone that's in the process of dying before. So I just pressed in a little bit more. Hey, is it okay if I pray with you? You, you don't have to do anything. You just sit there and I'm just going to pray for you. And then he gave me, I can't remember what exactly his verbal affirmation was. Basically, do whatever you want. I'm like, whew, okay, I'll take that as permission. So I'm just going to jump into this right now. And I prayed for him. I gave him forgiveness of his sins, apostolic pardon. Um, 
which are beautiful things. But as a side note, it's really important if you have someone that's getting older or especially in the process of dying, it's so important that they see a priest while they're still conscious and able to go to confession. So technically we can forgive them of their sins, but they're going to receive a lot more of Jesus's mercy if they're able to cognitively enter into that moment. So I gave him absolution of his sins. I gave him the anointing of the sick. His soul is prepared. And then it's at that point, finally, that he says, when a, a loved one came into the room, I'm scared. I'm scared. Again, he's probably not thinking super clearly because his body's shutting down. He's on these drugs. And then he says, am I really forgiven? I just assured him, absolutely, 100%, you're forgiven. Let's not miss the opportunity to receive that mercy now while we still can because we might not be able to have a priest at our side at that moment. The second story, last year, I was called. Um, again, this is a situation where the anointing was delayed and it should not have been. Even if not everyone can be present for the anointing, it's really important that the anointing happens for the sake of that person. So it didn't happen earlier. It kept getting postponed. And I said, I'm ready to come. Just let me know. And then, of course, it got to be the turning point. And this person was on the cusp of dying. And then it was an emergency trying to find a priest. Better sooner than later. So I come in. I arrive at the same time as the hospice person. I look at this woman. I say, this woman is about to die any moment. It was just abundantly clear. And so I, I gave her forgiveness of sins. I gave her the apostolic pardon. I gave her the anointing. And then I said, I think it's really important that we start praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet right now. And Jesus promised special favors to those that have that Divine Mercy Chaplet prayed on, on their behalf, especially at the moment of death. We had not gone through half of this five-minute prayer before she passed away. Had I not... I had been there for five minutes and she passed away. She was waiting for that peace that comes with experiencing Jesus' mercy in her soul. If that's true at that last moment of our life, imagine what receiving Jesus' mercy can do for my soul right here and right now. So as we approach this Eucharist, as I said, there's a special opportunity for a plenary indulgence, a total cleansing of our sin and the consequences of our sin by just receiving the Eucharist, having gone to confession, and then simply stating our faith, our trust in Jesus. Nothing hurts God more, Jesus revealed to St. Faustina, than our lack of trust. Nothing hurts God more than our lack of trust. So I just invite you to repeat with me, Jesus, I trust in you, three times as we conclude this liturgy of the Word and we transition into receiving Jesus' mercy in the form of the Eucharist. So if you would repeat with me three times that refrain, Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you.